Welcome to episode 8, part 2 of the Money and Home podcast. It's your host here, Jean Gelnes, founder of Money and Home and financial advisor. In this episode, I'm going to talk to you about facts versus scripture. And in last episode, we looked at some key facts that highlighted the rapid change that ha- that's happening around us in the world today. Uh, we looked at some of the newest advances in technology and open AI or artificial intelligence. We, look at some, we looked at some of the facts available on these platforms relating to debt and the economy and how this affects our home financially. And we ultimately reviewed the effect that this will have on managing money in your own because we want you to manage your money where it matters most, which is in your own. And in this episode, we're now going to move over to some of the key scriptures that will teach you and show you how stewardship is the key to overcome any and all of these rapid changes happening, happening around us and how it affects money in your home. So, the key thing that I want you to understand and that we want to highlight here and why I'm showing you first the facts and then how does that relate to scripture or how can we um, challenge the facts with scripture is because I firmly believe that stewardship is the key. Um, because there, what, it, what stewardship does, and we highlight this in our stewarded course as well, is that it shows you that there is enough within your control that irrespective of what happens outside of your home, there is enough within your control to still win with money in your home and to still manage your home financially in a way that irrespective of what happens outside of your home, irrespective of what happens in the economy, irrespective of the rapid change that's happening all around you, you can still win with money in your home. And there's enough enough within your control to be able to do that. Because, and this is this is the the key that I want you to, to hear, and this is what stewardship does. Because God never changes even if the world constantly changes. I'm going to repeat that. God never changes, even if the world is constantly changing. And when you start diving into some of the scriptures, when you start diving into God's word, the promises of God, and how to make them practical, you'll realize that it's not rocket science. I mean, some of the stuff we discussed last week around um, open technology and open AI and the changes happening around us and some of the stuff related to debt, the economy and the effects that it has on our home financially and the situation that most people are in. These things are very complex. The world tries to overcomplicate personal finance and it makes you feel that you either have to be a chartered accountant or a actuary or you have to be a lawyer or study at a certain place or work at a certain company Otherwise, you're doomed financially. And that's why so many people feel that it's not within my control and therefore I have to gamble with my money or I have to strike it lucky. So that's why they play the lotto. That's why the lotto is so successful. Because most people believe that the only way for them to become financially free and have financial peace in their lives is if they strike it lucky. And that is a lie. That is a lie because God's word gives the answers for anyone to steward and win with money in their home. And it's not rocket science. It's just common sense. Unfortunately, we live in a world where common sense has become 
very uncommon. Common sense has become extremely hard to find. Yet, all of it's available in God's Word. And we're going to share some of those common sense principles and how it relates to your home and money in your home with you today. So, the question that you need to ask yourself is, what is your key source of information? Because it's good to use the tools at our disposal. I love what's happening with ChatGPT and uh, I love Google. I love all the newest technology. I love Apple. I love tech. And I love what it's able to do. Um, I love using these tools that are at our disposal. But that is not my source of information. Those are just tools that I use to navigate myself in the direction that I feel God's called me. But my source will always remain in God's word. The most valuable tool that I have, the most valuable tool, the number one tool, and the true source of my information will always be God's word. And that's why I want to advise you today is reevaluate what is your key source. Because if your key source is social media or mainstream news, then you have a problem. Because you will never, ever be able to outpace the change. You will never be able to outpace the negativity and the fear and the worry that's coming your way if that's your source. But if you're able to guide and direct and root yourself in your main source, which is God and His Word, then you'll be able to align yourself, establish your foundation, and then use the additional tools that the world has to offer to not just survive, but also thrive. And that's why I firmly believe, and I will always say this, the Bible is the best money book you can ever buy. I mean, it's got over 2,400 verses on how to deal with money. And we're going to share some of those with you today. And you'll see most of these scriptures actually don't even, or some of these scriptures don't even talk about money. Yet they still have such a big impact on how we view our financial journey. And that's why I'd say the entire Bible is just a guide on how to deal with money in your home, how to deal with any situation in your home, and inviting God into every area of your life. So I truly believe the Bible is, if you want to buy the best money book the world has to offer, go get yourself a Bible. So today we're going to look at some key scriptures from the Bible that God has shared with me over the years. And these are not... Um, most of them, or some of them, are not uh, hidden scriptures. They're not scriptures that you might never have heard. Some of them are very well-known scriptures. But I feel that there's a few key things that God has highlighted to me, which I'd like to share with you in this podcast, um, and that we sometimes miss out when we see the promise, but we miss the application, when we miss how it relates to making it practical, and it's all in there. because. The promises of God is, is, is the biggest thing we can hold on to. But we sometimes miss the application of those promises. And I want to show you today how you can make it practical. So you can turn fear and worry into hope and ability to dream with God again. Because this is what the devil comes and, and, and this is what he tries to do. He tries to overwhelm us with change and, and, and worry and fear. And then he comes and he uh, damages our faith, steals our hope, 
and ultimately puts us in a position where we stop dreaming with God. But when we can hold on to God's word, we can turn fear and worry into hope and the ability to dream with God again. So the first scripture that I want to look at, and again, very well-known scripture, is Jeremiah 29, 11, And then I want to also look at Jeremiah 29, verse 10. Because we so, most people know this scripture very well. But very few people know that, know verse 10, which is just the verse before verse 11. So we so often um, quote the scripture, but we forget the verse before that and, and the application of that in our financial journey. So let's first read verse 11, Jeremiah 29, 11. And I'm reading from all of these scriptures today. I'm going to be reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version, version translation. So Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Now, just in there, so many things we've already discussed. This is such an amazing promise to hold on to. Where God says, I want you to have welfare. I don't want evil in your life. I want to give you an amazing future and, uh, and hope. I want you to be hopeful. Okay, and that is what, a, what an amazing promise. But what we so often miss is the verse just before that. Jeremiah 29 verse 10 says, For thus says the Lord, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. And then it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. So, what is the key learning here? Yes, we've got an amazing promise in God here. But what do we need to hold on to? How do we make it practical? Is that God's long-term wealth is created over the long term. I feel that what God is trying to teach us here, now I'm not saying it's going to take 70 years for you to create wealth. But the principle here is that there is no such thing as get rich quick. If you're in a situation financially where you're struggling, you're not going to fix those problems by getting rich quickly. Because your problem is not money. Your problem is your behavior with money. Your problem is your emotional connection with money. Your problem is your belief systems with money. And that is not going to get solved. In fact, the worst thing that could happen to you if you don't know how to work with money is to get rich quick. We so often see people who struggle financially and then we say, I just wish I could give that guy a million rand and then his problems will be solved. That's the worst thing you could do to someone like that. Because someone who doesn't know how to deal with money isn't going to have less problems when they have more money. Why do you think 70% of lotto winners go bankrupt? So many people who win money when they don't know how to steward it ends up losing it and being worse off than they were before they uh, had that money. And you have to understand, and this is something that God shared with me one day, this journey looks different for each of us. Some people get there sooner than others. But the rate of your success with God will be determined by the state and the condition of your heart. We look at people sometimes and we see they achieve success. 
But we don't understand that for years leading up to that point, they've been aligning their hearts and the, the condition and the state of their hearts with God in so many ways. And if you see someone whose heart isn't aligned with God, but you see them having success, then also understand that money is probably going to be pulling them further away from God instead of pulling them closer to God. So you have the opportunity now to align your heart, the condition and the state of your heart with God, and to walk this journey with Him, so that your success financially will also become something that pulls you closer to God and not further away from Him. And if you're in a tough season at the moment financially, this might sound harsh, but know that God is not going to fund your desert season. It looks different for each of us, but if you're in a situation where it's tough, where it's difficult, remember that God is more concerned about the growth of your character than the growth of your bank account, because He knows that if you can grow your character, success will follow. So if you haven't seen breakthrough yet, ask God, what is He trying to show you? What is He trying to teach you? Because God will never tempt you, but He will test you. If you understand that, then you can be grateful for it because he's trying to help you to show you what is the test so that when you pass the test, you'll come out stronger on the other side. So, the key learning here, Jeremiah 29, verse 10 and 11, is that yes, there's amazing promises that we can all to hold on to for, from God for welfare, for a future, and for hope. But it is a long-term process. It's not overnight. And we should be grateful for that. Because this way, when we get to the end of our journey, we would have grown in that journey, closer to God. And this is the only way where our, we can grow our character alongside our bank accounts. And I can't think of a bigger blessing than that. Honestly. The second scripture that I want to look at is Philippians 4 verse 13 and then Philippians 4 verse 11 to 12. Again, a very well-known scripture. Let's first read Philippians 4 verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Such a well-known scripture. And again, an amazing scripture to hold on to. I love this verse because I'm a big UFC fan. I love the sport of MMA. I also do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu myself with my kids. And I see a lot of fighters. You know, one famous fighter... Uh, John Jones, who was one of the best light heavyweights of all time, um, and, and, and so many fighters, and even athletes, and professional athletes, have got this scripture tattooed on their bodies, because it's like, um, it's like I'm powerful, I can punch through walls, I can do anything, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and that's great, like I'm taking nothing away from that, this is a wonderful scripture, and a, and, and a wonderful scripture to be used to motivate ourselves. In, uh, in, in, in any challenge we face. But again, if you read from verse 11 to 12 and then 13, you'll see that this scripture actually talks about the power of contentment. So let's read from verse 11. Paul says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I'm going to read that again. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to be abound in any 
and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. So it speaks about the power of contentment. And contentment is such a strong tool for us in our financial journey, especially if we start believing in this, like we've shared in the previous scripture, that this is a long-term journey. This is a process. Because we so easily compare ourselves to others and we so easily feel that I don't have enough. But Paul says that God gives us the power of contentment through Christ. We can access the power of contentment, which means that we will be grateful and satisfied with everything we want and need. And something we share in our course is that contentment isn't just being grateful with what you have. Contentment is knowing that you are exactly where you need to be and exactly where God can use you. This means that you don't need a new job to be content. You don't need to work for a different boss to be content. You don't need a, a higher income to be content. You don't have to live in a different province or even a different country to be content. You are exactly where God needs you and can use you. So Paul knew how to be content because he knew what God called him for and he stayed the course. He understood that God put me here for a reason. He didn't make mistakes. There's no coincidence in this journey. Jesus said on earth as in heaven and therefore he, uh, we, we don't believe in coincidence even at Money and Home. We believe in providence. The timely preparation of God through His divine purpose for our lives. So Paul was able to be content because he knew what God called him for and he stayed the course. Look at someone like David. Even when David was, when Saul was trying to kill him, he was still content. Even when he was staying in a cave for years and hiding from Saul, he was still be able, he was still able to be content. Why was that? Because David never turned his back on the call that God had for, God had for his life. So what is the lesson that I want you to learn here? Is stay in your lane and don't compare yourself to others. Practice contentment. Because in there lies joy. Joy over your circumstance. Joy over what happens outside of your home. Joy over the things that are out of your control. Joy over ESCOM, over the economy, over corruption. And it enables you to rejoice in trials. Rejoice in circumstance that's not fun, that's not inviting, that's not easy, so that you can continue holding on to the promises of God and continue fighting the good fight over the long term, so that you can do the right thing right over time, which eventually will develop and grow your character in God. And when the results come, when the breakthroughs come, you'll be able to carry that success and still do what God has called you to do. This is an amazing blessing, guys. Again, all of it available to us in God's Word. The next scripture I want to look at is John 3, so scripture 3 and 4. So we've now done scripture 1 and 2. First one was from Jeremiah. The second one was from Philippians. And now I want to look at scripture 3 and 4 together. The first one being from John 3.16 and the second one being from Revelation 3.16. And this is something that God showed me which sort of blew my mind a bit, massive revelation, but um, from John 3.16 and Revelation 3.16. So John 3.16, again, one of the most well-known scriptures in the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. So, 
How do we invite Jesus in? How can we say, God, I'm in a difficult space financially. How do I invite him into that journey? It says, all you have to do is believe. You have to believe that God sent his one and only son to die on the cross for your sins so that you would not have to perish but have eternal life. And if you believe that, that is your way of inviting him in. But the, the thing that, that sort of shocked me about this when I started looking at the scripture is that why is it that I, especially I mean if, my, if I look at my financial journey when it started or before my financial journey started, my my journey with God started about a year and a half before my financial journey with God began. And what was so crazy to me was that I've invited God in, yet I have not been able to see the fruit of that journey in my finances. And even though God came and fixed every area of my life, my financial situation was still falling apart. Until I learned how to invite Him into my finances through stewardship, but also, what does that stewardship process look like? And almost you can relate this to any area of your life with God. And then God took me to Revelation 3.16. And I find this fascinating that in John 3.16, so chapter 3 verse 16, it shows us how to invite Jesus in. And then in Re Revelation, the last book of the Bible, in the same chapter and same verse, Revelation 3.16, I believe it shows us, how to keep him in. So not just how to invite him in, but how do we see the fruit of that invitation being lived out in every area of our life. And that includes our finances. So Revelation 3.16 says, So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Harsh statement, but so true. What I want to highlight here is that if you want to win with money in your home, and you want to not just invite God into this journey, but also the, see the fruit of that invitation and, 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 and keep Him in that journey with you, you have to become radical, guys. You cannot be lukewarm. Because if you're lukewarm, it's the same as being cold. And God says, I hate it when you're lukewarm. I would rather that you be hot to cold. So rather, don't invite me in. Because if you're going to invite me in, we're going to run, my boy. We're going to do this thing at 100 miles an hour, full speed ahead. Yes, it's a long-term process. Yes, there's, there's uh, the practice of contentment in that process. But that doesn't mean we're going to take it, uh, we're going to ease our way through this. We're going to do this thing head on and we're going to be radical. You're going to have to be sold out, uh, hot and ready to run with me uh, like never before. And I believe that that's how we can keep Jesus in this journey with us is by becoming radical. So how do you do that? Well, be weird, guys. Be weird. Because if you're going to be the same as everybody else, then you're going to get the same result as everybody else. If you want to live like the 1%, you've got to be willing to do what the 99% are not willing to do. That's why we feel that one of the best ways to do this is be radical. So one way, one, one way to apply this and make it practical is cut up your credit card. If you're struggling with debt, if you're, if you're drowning in debt, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, if you're struggling to spend 
less than what you earn because you're constantly running into financial problems, swiping your credit card and racking up debt. And next week, we're going to be sharing an amazing testimony of one of our student graduates, how they were able to run through this process and how they're debt free. But start by being weird and cut up your credit card. I promise you, if you cut up your credit card and stop making debt and stop using debt, your friends will think you're weird. But I'm okay with being weird because normal these days is drowning in debt and living paycheck to paycheck. Because we're so afraid to look poor. We're so afraid because we're constantly comparing ourselves to others instead of saying, I don't care if I look poor. Because you might have a brand new BMW, but it's costing you 10,000 Rand a month uh, without insurance. Maybe it's costing you 12,000 Rand a month. I'm, I'm able to put 12,000 Rand a month into investments because I've got a paid off car, but it's not the nicest car. It's not the flashiest car. I don't wear the flashiest clothes. I don't have the flash and the bling because I don't care about comparing myself to others. My stuff's paid off. I'm debt free. I've got a massive amount of money that I've been able to open up to invest so that I can live like no one else and one day live and give like no one else so that I can give up the things now that I want so that I don't lose them in the long term but gain them in the long term. Because remember guys, what you take now, you lose in the long term. What you sacrifice now, you gain in the long term. So what I want to show you here is that be radical. Yes, we're going to hold on to the promises of God, like in Jeremiah. Yes, we're going to face this as a long-term process, a long-term journey. Uh, yes, we're going to practice contentment as in Philippians. But man, it's going to be a hell of a ride. Because with God, there's no easy way and there's no lukewarm way. So get sold out, get radical, be weird, cut up your credit card, stop making debt, get out of debt, and take our course because we can show you how to do that. Okay, so the last scripture that I want to look at is from Ecclesiastes 5, oh sorry, Ecclesiastes 6. First we're going to look at verse 2, and then we're going to look at verse 9. So, Ecclesiastes 6 verse 2. This was written by King Solomon, who wrote most of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. I mean, those two books in the Bible alone is basically like a, a, a minefield of financial wisdom. So Ecclesiastes 6 verse 2, it says, A man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor, so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires. So God blesses someone, he gives him everything he wants. He doesn't lack anything in his eyes. But then it says, Yet, God does not give him power to enjoy them, but the stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. It is a grievous evil. What is God saying here? He says, and this is crazy. When I read this, it blew my mind. He says that God gives us not just the ability to generate wealth, but He also gives us the ability to enjoy it. Because so many people have money, but they don't have joy. Um, so, uh, someone the other day said that so many people sacrifice their health for wealth just so they can get to the end of their life and use that wealth to buy their health back again. Unfortunately, we've seen in so many cases where people do that, yet 
irrespective of how much how many billions they have if you sacrifice your health up until a certain point no amount of money will be able to buy your health back again no amount of money will be able to fix those broken relationships with your spouse or your kids again and i realized that god gives us not just the ability to create wealth but also the ability to enjoy it and if you go and read in ecclesiastes 5 god's very clear about how do we how does he give us the ability to create wealth he shows you he says share what you have and invest wisely don't gamble with your money and don't become greedy or hold on to your money too tightly so spend wisely and give strategically and also he says leave an inheritance because you want to have the blessing of not having your kids to take care of you financially when you retire it's all there in ecclesiastes 5 and throughout god's word but even if you do all of this even if you get this right you still might not be able to enjoy the success of it because only god can give us both both the ability to create wealth and the ability to enjoy wealth and when i saw this i was actually in a stage of my life where we were um, about a year and a half to two years into our financial into our stewardship journey we were knocking dead out of the way great things were happening but i was still struggling with certain things in my home in relationships with my spouse and my kids and in my own heart and i realized that i was starting to win with money yet i'm not winning with the joy of it there's no joy i lack the joy and i realized that this is something that god has to give me both of it comes from god so my question was about well, god how do i access it how do i access both the ability to create wealth and the ability to enjoy wealth and i just kept on reading and god gave me the answer which i want to share with you today in this podcast in verse 9 so ecclesiastes 6 verse 9 says better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite this also is vanity and a striving after the wind what do i feel god is saying he's saying that yes we can always we, somehow we, we have this drive and this ambition and this, this striving towards success. But God says, better is the sight of the eyes. And what do I feel he means by that? It means all the things that are right in front of us, that we can see every day, that God has blessed us with, that money cannot buy. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I just realized, again, that money cannot make you happy. But the things that make us happy, all the things that make us happy are the things that money cannot buy. It's the things that are right in front of us. It's my it's the ability to wake up every morning and breathe life. It's my beautiful wife that God has blessed me with. It's my amazing, wonderful children that God has given me. And I'm, I'm almost getting emotional now. And God gave me those things for free. I didn't pay for it. I didn't give him anything for it he blessed me with it for free it's the sight of my eyes so many things that i can be grateful for and if i'm not able to enjoy that i will never be able to enjoy wealth i will never be able to enjoy my my success irrespective of how great or how big it may become the sight of my eyes and the things that are in front of me are what matters most because the best things in life are the things that money cannot buy and my friend if you're 
missing what is right in front of you, then you are missing the key to not just enjoy success, not just to create wealth, but also to enjoy it. That is why we teach in our course, there's two things that you can do. Is settle that God's the provider. Your job is to be a present protector. Be present in the lives of your loved ones and protect them. Because God will, God will ensure that provision is there. Your job is to, to be present and to protect. Enjoy what God has blessed you with. Because these things are worth more than all the money in the world. So if you do this, whether you have nothing or everything financially, you will have joy in all areas of your life, in all areas of your life including wealth. So I trust that through this podcast, you will gain a better understanding of looking at the facts, but trumping them with the Word of God and the Scriptures that God has given us. That doesn't just enable us to hold on to the promises of God, but also how to make it practical and apply those promises in our life. As always, at Money and Home, we believe that just as leadership starts at home, so does money management. And through stewardship, anyone can learn to manage their money where it matters most, which is in their own. This brings us to the end of episode 8, part 2 of our Money and Home podcast. If you want to learn more about how to steward, you can get our Stewarded Basics course because you only have one life and it's important that you learn to steward it. To learn the basic principles of stewardship, visit our website at www.moneyandhome.coza. Now we're not going to have a scripture for this podcast because I've already shared a couple with you. But my prayer for you today is that you will be able to hold on to God's word, make that your steadfast foundation, and then use the tools at our disposal to face the changes happening around us and not just survive but thrive to the common sense biblical principles that God has given us so that you can win with money in your home and manage your money where it matters most, which is in your home. Until next time, God bless.